On today's episode of the Outfielder Podcast, Ben Baseball and I are back and we are talking all things West Coast. Things are heating up for the Padres. The Dodgers might have a little bit of competition. We're going to talk about it. We are going to get into all the free agency talk that is going on right now for Major League Baseball. Can't miss it. Don't want to miss it. Make sure you don't. Make sure to stick around for us. We want to remind everyone, just as usual, that our show today is sponsored by Audible. Now, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. We love Audible. Love, love, love Audible. We use them all the time. I listen to books constantly. The great Sambino is off right now. He's listening to books. We want to invite you guys to do the same thing. And you can support the show as well while also reading some good books. What's there to lose? All you guys have to do is go over to audibletrial.com. AudibleTrial.com forward slash SLM, Sensibly Loud Media, SLM. You can download a title free and get started listening right away. First one is free. You will not want to cancel going forward. It's an incredible product. We use it all the time ourselves, like I said. So make sure to go support the show. Support Audible. They're great. They've been there with us through thick and thin. They'll be there with us further. So make sure you support them. Now buckle up, friends. It's time to go. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode 132, presented by Sensibly Loud Media. I'm your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Popfly himself, Founder Numero Dos, Ben. We do not have an opium podcast. Baseball, Ben, what's going on, man? Hello, hello, hello. What a great drop that was. How are you doing, J-Mac? No opium sold here. None. That's right. Not an opium podcast. I'm well, sir. I am well. Don't even come looking for it. Yeah, exactly. I forgot my name for like a brief second because we've been off for like three weeks, which I don't really prefer. It's not not good, Ben. It's not good at all, but we're we're back and we're here. I tell myself that everything's okay because it's the off season and it's a pandemic. And yes, that's the order that I told it myself. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so we'll we'll figure it out. We'll get there. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those things where we're we're trying to make it happen. I think Sam kind of lights the fire under us, and and with him being out and kind of silent, you know, I I don't uh I don't know. I hope he's he's reading some books from our sponsor Audible, or he's you know watching some old baseball highlights or something. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Or maybe he's yeah, just taking he, care of kid. That could be it He too. definitely is the person to, to light a candle under us for sure. Um, no, it's, it's interesting as a, as a reward to the good listener for sticking in there through the off season. Uh, at the end of this episode, I'm going to announce a special contest giveaway with a prize uh, that I have for our listeners. So uh, stay tuned for details. Not only is it a prize that's related to us in baseball, more importantly, it's a prize related to your latest edition of Ben messing something up. This time it's Christmas related. Christmas related, huh? Yeah, I don't know if uh, if it would count as like a blathering. This would be more of like a Ben baseball's bloopers or something, but in life. Hmm. Uh, Sam, what do you think about that? He always seems to get himself mixed up in some really crazy shit. True. True. I agree. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens at the end of the show. I think that's good. Awesome. No, looking forward to it. Can we, uh, and did, go ahead. Can we get Jimmy Midtown back on this show at some point? I would love 
for that to happen, especially now that the Mets um, have an engine. They have like competent ownership and Stephen Cohen tweeting has been delightful in a lot of ways because he just got Twitter and just I, I do enjoy watching someone learn how to use Twitter, although he does seem pretty, pretty good at it overall. But he's been kind of the ultimate troll lately, which I've loved every second of. Well, that's number two. I hope you have an example or two. But number one is, uh, yeah, I feel like everyone is kind of a Twitter novice at some point. True. Well, everybody's got to start somewhere. That's a good point. But it's just great because, like, you you start when you start on these things, you kind of like social media sites like Twitter. Like, is a great example of like I remember when I started on Twitter, two thousand ten, Ben Baseball, two thousand and ten. And uh, there was one point, this is a sidebar, non-baseball related, but there was a si- there was a point where I was trying to document my day-by-day goings-on on Twitter because that's what you used to do with Twitter. Like, it was like, yeah. I'm going to dinner with Ben Baseball, you know, and that was kind of like what it was. It wasn't used for, like, you know, news breaking. And stuff. I mean, it was, but yeah. it really wasn't at this time. And so a, a friend of mine was running a study type thing. She was, uh, she was getting her master's. And uh, some form of like social um, social interaction with social media. I'm not sure exactly like what it's called or like what she was studying. Yeah. But it was like a, a psychology type experiment. And so she wanted several of us to just kind of tweet our, our you know, play by play generally go into class. You know, just got out of math, just got out of English. I, I didn't take just math and just English and in, in college. Yeah, you did. Well, I took a form of it, but it wasn't just called math. This isn't like. Oh, third, it was. No, it might have been. I don't know. Um Anyway, so we have this whole like trial thing. Well, so this goes on for about a week. Well, this gets like super ingrained in my head. And, you know, like I, I'm starting to like just like tweet. You know, I, I started to really tweet without really having a goal of tweeting. You know what I mean? Like I was just putting things out there. And yeah. that was kind of the point, right? And at one point, I got to this thing where I was like sleep tweeting. I would like tweet when I was half asleep. And one awesome. night, I just tweeted the words "foil helmet," hmm. and that's it. I have no idea why, and I wouldn't have even known that it had happened until she brought it up to me like a week later. She was like, "Hey, why did you tweet the words foil helmet' out the other day?" And I was like, "I have no idea. It's out there. You can find it. Go find. It. Search my Twitter. I've got like eighteen or nineteen thousand tweets now, but it's out there for sure. So in the old days." That's great. No, that's that's fantastic. I think one of my favorite little Twitter nuggets is when Tony Hawk, uh, the professional skateboarder, will share when people like don't think he's actually him. So he'll share something where, you know, waiting in line at the rental car place, waiting for my reservation, and the guy's like, that's your name, Tony Hawk? Yep, that's me. He goes, oh, I deleted your reservation because I thought someone was pranking us by booking a reservation <laughs> in your name. That's greatness. I mean, a, a prime example of not really knowing what to do with Twitter when you first get on it. Um, and, and, you know, Tony Hawk, you know, brings it home for us here. Uh, a couple of examples of Stephen Cohen tweets. Um I'm going to call Jared Porter now and see what's up. Don't don't know why. Uh, another one is not much going on there due to the holidays. Conversations hopefully pick up this week. So this guy's just like, like play by playing what they're doing in the front office. Those are like business journal entries. Yeah, it's greatness. It really is. 
and spoke with Mark down in sales, <laughs> looking at the big uh, fulfillment rate. You know whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Could you imagine if like everybody did that? It's a good thing that I didn't do do that uh, uh, any further than the social experiment I had, except for the fact that. You could probably make the argument that I just kind of spew out things on Twitter now, too. So I don't know if really a whole lot has changed from the foil helmet thing. We are all foil helmets. Good point. Ask Smash Mouth. They can tell you. Oh, God. Um, but well, I lo- folks, we made it seven minutes into this podcast before J-Mac brought up Smash Mouth again. I actually have not brought up Smash Mouth the last couple of times it's come up on the show. To sure. be fair. Yeah, no, I haven't. You can go I think back and you listen. Inceptioned it into our brains. Ben, there's 132 episodes. You can go back. Actually, 131 episodes previous before this one. You can go back and look through or listen through all of it and find out how many times I brought it up. You can do it. It's possible. Anything's possible. Anything is possible. I challenge you to do so. Mm, challenge not accepted. Can we do like a challenge show today where we just like nominate each other for challenges and see if we accept them? I love it. Uh, that one has been declined. Okay. I wish Sam were here because this is the perfect type of thing for Sam to keep track of. Yep. He That's loves good. to keep track of things like this. I'll see if I can jot down a few notes of who challenges whom to what. Agreed. I had a few compliments for our freestyle at the beginning of last show. I want to give you another applause for imitating five instruments at one time. a lot of instruments i aim to please I, you pulled it off it was one of the things i heard the most about last episode which is kind of sad considering we did like an hour plus on a lot of bigger topics and nothing nope they like no, that's you singing that is the feedback we crave i know it's fine it's it's fun isn't it yes it is you know what might be the most unbelievable series of moves I've seen in quite some time is all the action that's happening on the West Coast this week. Oh my gosh. It's so the past few years, you know, speaking of going back and listening to the tape, the past few years we've talked about how the hot stove never seems hot enough. Mm-hmm. This year is proving to uh, to kind of break that mold because definitely, especially in the NL West, there's a ton of moves and rumored more moves to come uh, on the horizon. So I agree, but it seems like it's only the Padres that are doing anything, really. Everything else has been very quiet. Yes, and I want to talk – we'll definitely talk about the Padres, and then shortly thereafter I want to have a counterpoint on that. Please. But yes, let's okay. talk Padres. San okay. Diego. So let's give a little bit of background here and what we've discussed on the show involving the Padres for a long time. So the Padres, to me – are a small market team, and they have always kind of exuded that same kind of thing. I, I would think, uh, correct me if if you're if you think something else, but the only person that or the only thing that really ever pops into my mind is Tony Gwynn when I think about the Padres. I think Tony Gwynn, and then I also think. Uh, do you remember that movie Rookie of the Year? Yes. Oh, no, he played for the Pirates. Pirates, yeah, I was going to say. Yes. I thought it was Pirates. I, well, he, he played in the leagues for the Cubs, but his little league team was the Pirates. That's God. not important. What okay. is important is, yes, Tony Gwynn, San Diego Zoo, Jurassic Park 2. Like, that's it. That's San Diego. We have absolutely been over 
the amazingness of Tony Gwynn before. It's one of yes. our finer episodes, so go back and check that out. I'm plugging the past here a little bit, Ben, because I think it's worth going back and checking some things out. But there's an episode named after Tony Gwynn specifically, and we broke down some of those mind-blowing stats about this dude. And to the best of my recollection, um, that's the most notable Padre for sure, and the most notable thing about the Padres in my general lifetime i don't ever remember the padres being good Mm -mm. i'm looking right now and i'm gonna see if i can just find the basic year over year record of the padres Uh, and because i i really i i i think a lot of the concept of a small market team and i think that when you look at the reasons that that happens that they don't always necessarily make sense. Um, so I want to give you a couple of breakdowns here of the top seat, the top seasons in the last, uh, let's just go franchise history for the Padres. Okay. Yeah. I love it. I can't even tell you the last time that they broke 500. So in 2020, obviously they broke 500. They were six set. They had a six seventeen winning uh, percentage they went 37 and 23 it was a shortened season so that's a little bit oh yeah, yeah. no i do remember that now yeah, yeah. hey that's... look that was three months ago you, you were focused more back on further further back the next yeah, yeah. best record do you care to take a guess let me i'll give you a time a year range let's go from 2020 backwards to 1995 can you tell me what year you think might be next with 98 wins 97 98 you were very close Okay. You were very close. Uh, the year after that, they had 92 wins, was 1984. Ooh. 1996, 2010, to, uh, 1989, 2007, 2006. So, so, like, a couple of peaks, but a lot of valleys. A lot of valleys. The I would say that the last time that they were over 600... They've been over 600 exactly twice in franchise wow. history. Dang. That is rough. And they didn't even necessarily, like, f- like you know, bring it home or anything like that. Like, 2020 lost in the NLDS 3 to nothing. 1998 lost the World Series 4 to nothing. I remember that uh, vaguely, but I do remember that. Um in 1984, they lost in the World Series four to one. They lost in the World uh, the NLDS, excuse me, three nothing in 2010. I mean, they've gotten bounced from the playoffs. Their playoff record's got to be abysmal. They've only made the playoffs and gotten and they've gotten bounced out of it one, two, three, four, five, six seasons total. Jeez, they've been a franchise, and I guess I should have said this before since 1969. Okay. So just a few years older than the Rangers. Just a few years older than the Rangers and probably the equivalent playoff success, would you say? Well, now I hate that you said that. Know, That's I'm sorry. not a fun comparison to <laughs> Very make. Sorry. Jesus, are we fighting? They did lose two World <laughs> Series. The worst part about losing the World Series is they got swept in one and lost the other one four to one. That's tough. Oh, it's not it's good. All tough. It's really not good. Um, well, I even looked up so San Diego no longer has any major mark or any major sports teams. Like if you Google and look up sports in San Diego, it's the Padres. Correct. And then 
NCAA D1 sports. Yeah. Like, that's, that's it. You know, the Chargers left. The Clippers uh, left. Know, yeah, they had, the, they had the Clippers, and before that they had the Rockets. Yep. And, like, that's it. There were a couple of football clubs, like, not uh, soccer clubs, rather, but, I mean, no. It's, it's the Padres and the Ocean. And that's your entertainment. San Diego's a weird sports town. You know who would be really good to talk about this would be JB. He's a big San Diego guy. He spends a lot of time there uh, for work, but also just for vacation and whatnot. And um, it's very, there's just, it, sports isn't the focus there. It just really isn't. And it's, it's very evident in that way. And it makes you wonder with the Padres being such a small market team, it makes you wonder if they've just kind of gotten away with that for so long, if they don't ever really have yeah. to be that good. Cause what's the difference? What's well, that the, makes sense. What's the difference in like 90 wins versus 80 wins when, when the same amount of fans are coming, you know, that kind of, that it's stinking thinking, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's thinking. That's nonetheless. their mentality. Yeah. I mean, until now, until <laughs> now, because they have in the last, so I want to fast forward a little bit. So they hired, A.J. Preller as their GM, who was an offshoot of John Daniels' uh, staff here in Texas mm-hmm. uh, for the Rangers. And he's been aggressive, but he's also spent time building the system. And he really, he seems like he has a really good understanding of how to put a major league roster together. And that's good. I, I would think that's a good thing for sure. And, I mean, we've seen some of the recent signings like Eric Hosmer, uh, you know, Manny Machado, they've spent a lot of time putting these big bats together, making big trades, getting their bullpen ready. And they just, I mean, they still lost in the NLDS three to nothing this year. It was a weird year. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, it's still a thing that happens to the Padres. Well, the thing that we've ragged on the Padres the most about is the lack of pitching. And yes. they traded last year for Mike Clevenger. They've done a lot of, they've made a lot of moves that have helped strengthen up, like I said, the bullpen. And they pretty much pushed all the chips in in the last couple of days. If you could, if you, that, that's the, that's what I would say. So walk me through it. What'd they do? So it started off with trading for Blake Snell. Big name. B- big name. Would you pull up some Blake Snell stats for me real quick? Absolutely. The So Blake Snell's been with the Tampa Bay Rays, and he's a Cy Young winner. And Ben's going to break us down some stats here in just a second. Yeah, his uh, win-loss record career is 42-30. and 30. His career ERA is 3-2-4. Um, Over 556 WHIP. innings pitched. Yeah. Uh, WHIP across those 556 innings is 1.237, which is outstanding. And that's your uh, your uh, your walks and hits per inning pitched. Is what yeah, that is. He's he's still pretty pretty young, relatively. He's only been in the majors for five seasons, yep. so definitely a lot of tread on these tires for sure. It looks like he is 28 years old, a lot of life. Yeah, he's a lefty. He's he's six four two twenty five, which is an interesting kind of build, but he's I mean, it's sort of the Chris Sale type of thing, right? His yep. contract status, it looks like he's signed through 2023. He's on a five-year, $50 million deal. So he's he's got – it's controllable pitching for them and a guy that they really needed. And it seemed like Blake Snell really wanted out of Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. 
And so they traded for him. And I think that makes a lot of sense for what they're trying to do here. I think you need a good well, anchor number one guy. I was going to say for both teams, just because Tampa, with the way that they built their club currently, they want young talent that they can groom and grow and then trade off and try to get as many wins as possible. So it also makes sense for Padres because they have a lot of productive pitching here. But it makes sense for Snell, too, because now he has uh, two three seasons left to really leave a mark and to get a massive contract at age 32, uh, you know, whenever his next contract comes due. He won't get another one. He'll blow out his arm before that. The deals for pitchers over 30 is never good. Um, but, I mean, they got the Rays got back a couple of right-handers, um, really good, well-regarded young pitching prospects. You know how I feel about, you know, proven players for maybe good players. But, nonetheless, got something back for a guy that didn't want to be there anymore. Uh, and you got to remember too. I mean, Blake Snell's got World Series pitching experience. You know, he's been there. He's he's close, and yeah. uh, and so that that's a big part of adding to a young team, and you know, a team that they have the right amount of veterans and your Manny Machado's and Eric Hosmer's, but you also have Fernando Tatis Jr. and guys like that that have, don't have that kind of experience, and that's what you're going to be looking for here. And those kinds of things matter in the grand scheme of a long season that ends with an even longer postseason. Oh, yeah, for sure. After that, they decide that wasn't quite enough. And they this decide, is your Billy Mays moment where you get to be like, but wait, there's more. There is more. They traded for you, Darvish. They took on $54 million of the $59 million left on his deal with the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs are probably ecstatic right now. Yeah, I would think so. I think you get rid of that contract if you can. But with that in mind, I would be really interested to see how he does on the West Coast again. Yeah, I, I think it's smart for the Cubbies. I think you get rid of that contract while you can. It's just one of those. It's kind of weird. It's sort of like, I, regardless of how I personally feel about this, it's sort of like what the Red Sox were thinking with David Price, where it's like mm-hmm. you got a lot of guy. I mean, not the same amount of money by any means, but you got a guy you owe a lot of money to. You have the opportunity to reset, you know you're going to have to reset regardless. You may as well get some, you know a decent amount for him. The most amazing part about it is that they also so they got a catcher back, Victor Caratini, and yeah. the most amazing part about this whole thing is that with this trade and the Blake Snell trade, San Diego has not touched any of their top fifteen prospects on their rosters on in and their. That is- in their minors that that's taking advantage of weak spots 100 percent, and that says a lot about club ownership number one but also their ability to deal because they knew who to look for that they wouldn't have to give up a lot and with darvish yeah you're spending money but there there still could be some upside there you know to the point he's not he's not a Blake Snell, but mm-hmm. he does have World Series experience. May have given him the yips, but he does have World Series experience. True. G- give me some some you Darvish stats over the last two years or so. Because he's oh, man, he's I, not as good as he was, that's for sure. Well, he kind I felt like he had a little bit of a comeback there for a for a hot minute. He did. He's a good pitcher. He's had Tommy John surgery, right? Yeah. Yeah, I believe he has. I think he was he was out for a year in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So he's had Tommy John surgery already, uh, but I mean, he's gone on from it. I mean, he's played for a couple of teams since then. Yeah. So his most recent two seasons, uh, 19 and 20 with the Cubs, uh, he was six and eight in 19. Uh, that's a win loss record of 429, ERA of 398. Mm-hmm. Um, but last year, he was eight and three. That's a winning percentage of 727. Uh, ERA of 201. Okay, that's a good year. 12 games started, won eight of them. Okay, I mean, not, not, um, I don't know how to say this without being disrespectful to him because, I mean, it's a small sample size, I guess is the best way to say it there. Um, but, I mean, you look at, like, you know, I mean, he he's had, I would say, a, a mixed record. Like, 2017, he went to... Uh, 10 and 12. Uh, but I mean, he's always hovered around that mid to high threes ERA. And even in 2018, he had a four, nine, five ERA, but he brought that down the following year and the following year. So, I mean, there's probably at least a, a good amount of value left on, on, on those tires. I, I think it's probably worth it. I mean, how old is he now? 33, 33. No, he's 34. I think. Oh yeah, thirty-four. My bad. Oh man, that's old though. That's a lot of money. That, I don't know. Is that a lot of money to take on for fifty-nine? So they took on fifty-four of the fifty-nine million. Yeah, I'm, they paid I, a lot. I of money think for it's him. a lot of money. I think it's a lot of money. With that in mind. Oh, and he signed through twenty twenty-three. By the way, so you've got a couple of it's. It is controllable, but I don't know if you're going to want to control that pitching. No. I don't know, man. I, I I don't know why. I know it's expensive, but it's not my money, so it feels like there's upside there. <laughs> That's what we always come down to on this show, right? Like it's right. it's so easy to say when it's not your money. Yeah, just write the check. <laughs> but is that worth it for them? I don't. I, I think so. I I think I think that probably makes sense. Even because I mean, look at it this way: you're a champ. You're a, a a franchise. If you're the Padres, you're a franchise that's never won a championship. So you're if your goal is just to bring you a championship, I mean, what does it matter? You just pay what you got to pay, right? Yes. And with that, you know that Darvish is going to give up one run in the first and then be pretty decent. You know, like at least in Texas, that was his MO. Um, yeah. Did it piss you off the way he he pitched here as a fan? No. No? See, I, I know a lot of people that are in that other camp of that. I think that he is a very good pitcher and he used a lot of fancy things when he didn't need to. He built counts high and tried to make sure to powerball somebody out and didn't, wasn't always successful with that. So, yes. And, and while looking back at it, I do see where that's aggravating and, and I definitely see get and agree with that point of view. The counterpoint is when you're used to nothing and you now have something like yeah. it was a pretty good tool in your toolbox. Well, well, I think what frustrated a lot of people about it and what would frustrate me about it is while I understand that logic and, and mentality, what you do in that is you're not, you're not being efficient. You're not, you're, you're burning through, 
you know, so if you, so say that you got a guy on a one and two count and you can strike him out with a fastball in the corner, right? And you know that you can strike him out with a fastball in the corner, but you decide to build the count to three and two, even though you know you're probably still going to throw that cap, that fastball in the corner, but you do that, that's two more pitches, two, and say you, you know, have a ball or so, like you can build that count real fast. You do that enough times, and all of a sudden by the fifth yeah. inning, you've thrown close to 100 pitches and you got to come out of the game versus going longer. And I think that that might've been something that frustrated people more than anything else. And that's how I'm looking at it is like efficiency and, and outscored and things like that. You have to think in those terms now you have to. Yeah, no, I mean, especially we're so analytically driven. So zoom out. Who do you blame for that? Is that you? Is that the pitching coach? Is that, is that Washington? Like who, who's little, on the hook for that? A little bit of, but who the, who was the pitching coach? Was it Dave? It wasn't Dave Magadan. It was, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Um, oh my God. It's on the tip of my tongue. I'll, I'll, as soon as I hear it, I'll know. Um, he was pitching I'm coach up. with Wash for quite some time. Um, I can Mike, uh, Maddox, Maddox, Mike Maddox. I don't think that I think that Mike Maddox gave him a long leash and let him do what he does best. Now, don't get me wrong. I I don't remember what the exact exact argument as far as the numbers. I, I've seen stuff before about like what breaks down the actual numbers and stuff and what makes sense as to like the efficiency problem that he has. And I don't know that that changed over different pitching coaches and whatnot because he didn't have Mike Maddox the whole time. I know that. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I think that 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 could have been addressed a little bit more, but it's also hard to bring a guy like that in from overseas that's a proven ace. I mean, he it was the ace. It's kind of hard to tell him what to do in that sense. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what he does. Yeah. And we've talked about that before, like when it, in regards to the elbow and and how guys treat their arms and whatnot is... You know, especially in the Nippon League and stuff like that over, you know, in Japan where, you know, Darvish pitched before and, you know, these guys like Otani start, you have a lot of uh, wanting to go the distance whether you should or not kind of thing. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and you have a lot of complete games and things like that, whereas you don't have that as much here. As soon as things start burning down or going wrong, let's get a fresh arm in there. And there's right. merit to that, but there's also, uh, you know, a... a durability and longevity issue there too and that that is what would concern me given the contract money that you're spending there yeah so to tie to tie it back in i think with the padres is obviously they spent 55 million and like we said not our money so go for it sure but are you gonna get 55 million dollars worth out of you darvish and i think that unless you hoist the trophy no you're not going to even if you don't, I don't know that it matters. It's kind of a sunk cost, right? Because it's not real. It's a sum of the parts thing. Yes, but I'm saying if he completes his contract playing in San Diego mm -hmm. and they don't win, do you feel like you got your money's worth? Even if he had lights out, ace, piss, ace pissing, ace <laughs> pitching. Um, if he's good, I don't know how you complain. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I, I, it's. It's the David Price thing. Like he was terrible in the playoffs, but people didn't see the brilliance that that he brought in the regular season. And that was even before the Red Sox. That was with Detroit. That was with the Rays. You yeah. know, they didn't see the the elegance in David Price, but the value's there. 
And so it is tricky, but it's a different situation because you're looking at a guy who is 34 years old and you're taking on three more years of him. But I would think that even if you get one World Series out of it, it's a sunk cost. It may be a sunk cost, but the the means justify, you know, the end because you are actually, you know, the the sum aggress is greater than the parts is really what it comes down to. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I, I think okay, you're going to so get much more value out of Blake Snell personally, but oh, 100. percent But I think that adding Darvish is a is a feather in the cap for this team. It's a good one-two punch for sure. It's not bad. It's definitely so not bad. What else have they done? If they got Snell and Darvish, that shores up pitching, theoretically. Correct. So the last thing, like one of the biggest things that they've done. So we followed. What during the pandemic, Ben? Everything. The KBO, the Korean baseball. Oh yes. And there was a second, an infielder, kind of a utility guy. Uh, what's his? I'm blanking on his name. Give me a second. I had it all ready to go. Ha Sing Kim, and he played for the Dinos, I believe. I think he was a dino, yeah. which was Sam's team. Correct. He had a 24-hour period to make a deal, which I'm not really sure what the the um, what the actual like agreement is between like the KBO and Major League Baseball. All that stuff gets really murky when it gets like international stuff. Like for instance, like the Rangers paid what they, they what was like a $56 million posting fee to, to be able to negotiate a contract with you Darvish whenever he first came here, but they put a cap on that for, uh, it wasn't Otani. It was, who's the Yankee that came before him. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, I thought Otani was the, the big one after Darvish. Was there no, one between them? There's one between them. Yankee guy, Tanaka. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he like the posting fee was like capped at like 12 million or something like that. So they, they did that. And so they, they have somewhat of a similar setup, but all the same, lots of teams were going after this guy. He is 28 years old, I believe. So he's a little bit older. Uh, he's traditionally a thir- a shortstop and third baseman. I want to give you some numbers here if I can. Uh, let's, see, let's, see, let's see. While you're pulling these numbers up, mm-hmm. to contextualize this, this isn't just a little league team that added, you know, two lights out pictures and you know a, a Korean all star. Like this is a team that was in the playoffs last year, and they did Hosmer, they did Machado. Like th- these are not small potatoes. Not at all. I want to break down. The o- I want to break this down by OPS. Okay. Okay. OPS is our on base plus our slugging percentages. Okay. It gives us a good idea of exactly how effective a player is. So, like batting average, for example, takes it leaves a lot of unknowns out. It counts about it counts things like getting on base, even though you you could technically walk. To do that, so yeah. OPS takes our batting average and our slugging, and no, I'm sorry, not batting average, our on base plus our slugging, and it gets us a good picture of what a player's like. All right, so I want to read the last five years. So I'm going to go from 2015 to 2020 here. Okay, 
He was 19 years old in 2015. He played 140 games. He had an OPS of 851. Oh, my God. Okay. In 2016, he played 144 games and was 836. In 2017, he played 141 games, 889. In 2018, 129 games, uh, 832. 2019, he played in 139 games, 880. And last year in 2020, he played in 138 games, and he had a 921 OPS. His all seven seasons at each level of, of Korean baseball you know, leagues here, he has an 866 OPS. He's batting 294 on base 373. Pretty damn ridiculous. good. 575 are, RBIs in his career. Those are almost trout level OPS. It's he's very very good. A little bit older. He's 24 by the way. I misspoke. 24. I don't know why oh I, God, I that's could have sworn I saw 28 earlier. But 24. He was courted by the Mets, the Red Sox, uh the Padres, several other teams and ultimately ends up signing with the Padres. And the interesting thing about it is you've got Manny Machado and, you know, you've you've kind of got an infield that's spoken for, but this is someone who just wants to to make it happen here. 25 years old. Oh, yeah. 25 years old. So, ha Sing Kim, we need to be watching. Listen to this Padres stat I, I, I found, or Padres tweet. Uh, so, it's from at Slangs on Sports. Sarah mm-hmm. Langs writes, the Padres are the first team to acquire two pitchers in a single offseason – who both either won or finished top two in Cy Young voting in any of the prior three seasons. Snell won Cy Young in 18, mm-hmm. and Darvish won, uh, excuse me, was second in 2020. 2020, and, okay. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, oh, well, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, won, Shane Bieber won this year, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Boy, he was second? He was second. And so, like, not only are they doing that this offseason, but they're doing it in a 24-hour span. Let me tell you something, though. With Darvish flashing that kind of brilliance this late in his career on a shortened season, they're taking a bigger risk than they realize. Or maybe they do realize, but they're taking a bigger risk than people realize. I think they realize it's a risk. They're spending $55 million goddamn dollars. That's why I retracted and said I think they probably know. <laughs> but I'm saying that this to the general pop here, I think that it's it's more of a risk than it may feel like. That okay. feels like a hollowed. Look, what were Shane Bieber's numbers last year? Uh, I got them here. And I'll pull up Darvish's. We can kind of compare them. I know they were they were very similar. But Bieber yeah, so was Shane one. Bieber last year had a war of three three. Uh twelve games pitched. He was eight and one with an ERA of one six three. That's seventy-seven <sighs> inning pitch. Uh we had hundred and twenty-two strikeouts and a whip of point eight six six. One sixty-three? Yeah. Holy shit. So the runner up, you Darvish, was eight and three with a two oh one. ERA. I mean, Shane Bieber ran away with it, dude. It wasn't even close. God, I forgot. Wait a minute. Close. That was on the AL side. What was on? Who was on the NL side then? 
Oh, hang on, hang on. We fucked this up bad. God. Yeah. Dude, this is what we happens. We didn't have when... Sam here to keep us honest. I know. This is what happens when we take time off. Okay, that's the AL side. That's still a good comparison, though. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm going to I'm gonna kick myself whenever I hear who won it for the NL. I can't think of who it was. My memory's not. Trevor sh- Bauer. Trevor Bauer, duh. What were his stats like last year? Made so some- I'm showing that Trevor Bauer had... Oh my god, why is his baseball reference page not pulling up? Because it doesn't okay, like you. So his war was two seven. He had eleven games pitched, a record of five and four, ERA of one seven three, seventy-three innings pitched with a hundred strikeouts, WHIP <laughs> of point seven nine five. One hundred so so like you put those two together, and I mean Darvish wasn't even really close in that sense. A one six three and a one seven one. I mean, that's a hundred strikeouts for Trevor Bauer is unbelievable. I mean, you Darvish struck struck out twenty three or ninety three twenty three ninety three. So I mean, that's that's decent too, though. How mad would you be if it was twenty three? Like he was second place. He only struck out twenty three. I, I I'd be saying what I've been saying about all this crap for years. It's just rigged, rigged as hell. <laughs> so in that case, you aren't buying the Padres or you no. are, you're just buying them in spite of Darvish. No, I am. I, I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm all in on the Padres yet. I, I want, want to live with this news for a little while longer and, and do a little bit more research before the season starts. I'll give you that answer when we do our season predictions. Hold me to that. If you will. Ooh, okay. Um, that will be, uh, I'm not going to issue it as a challenge, no, though, the, but that will be something I, I hold you to. Okay. Perfect. I mean, this will be talked about regardless. It's not something we're going to forget about. I'm, I'm just, I approach things like this cautiously optimistic because I've seen these types of super teams built before and they not work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it happens well, more often. It doesn't happen for teams more often than it does. I'm even cautious to call them a super team because, drum roll please, it's still San Diego. Mm, true. I, hmm. can, we wait, can we ask Sam what he thinks about people from San Diego? Yeah, what do you think, Sam? He's a classless charlatan. Classless charlatan, okay. Well, you heard it here first. It's on the tape. Now, speaking of well, things that are on the tape, can I give you uh, something that we missed in our pre-show run? We don't have to spend a ton of time on it, uh, but it is worth noting a news story that came out December 13th that made tons of headlines, rightfully so, about a team that plays in the Rust Belt. Hmm. Enlighten us. Well... After 105 years in use, the Cleveland Baseball Association has dropped the racist name of Indians from their uh, from their, from their team. What do you think about this? I mean, I think that. Understand headline headline here for for those at home. Like I have a cynical nature about me, uh, and I tend to think that if they were ser- while this is certainly a win, and we are going to take all the wins we can get in 2020. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm saying that first period. Yeah. However, if they were serious about 
doing it for the right reasons, they would have done it sooner and okay. not waited for woke summer to decide to change their name. For example, when they dropped quote unquote for our listeners, uh, chief Wahoo from their hats, they brought him back like later that month, like, Oh, we didn't drop him from our batting practice hat or from our merchandising, or he's still on our website. We yeah. just don't wear him in game sometimes. Yeah. It was disingenuous so, in that sense, right? Yes, absolutely. So while this is certainly a win, parts of it feel hollow, okay. and I challenge other organizations to put their money where their mouth is uh, and their ethics where their money is. I think you you hit on a really big part of it. I, I think the obvious observation about this is that it's about time, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that 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 kind of that part of it to me kind of goes without saying it, it's yep it, it's obvious right it, it was always obvious i don't you know we we've debated about the the next you know thing that's going to be told to be changed or whatever and, and we've kind of gone into that a little bit in the the you know the back and forth behind that but you hit on a, an interesting little tidbit there that i think is maybe being overlooked a little bit in and and not really it's not as important as the actual argument about whether it should change or whether it shouldn't. It's not as important as that, but it's the corporate aspect of it, I think, and the the brand recognition of it. And, and those, those kinds of things are not being talked about in a sense that those things are very, very tough to to replicate as far as brand awareness goes, right? You've got, think about the, let's just talk jerseys for a moment. And and this go, this really goes across merchandising. This goes across everything that has to do with your favorite baseball team, right? It, It really matters when something is recognizable. You look at the B on my hat, you know what that is. If you're a baseball yeah. fan or generally, right? Like it's, it's not a big secret, but there's a reason that just the letter B works or draws that, Oh, that's a Red Sox hat or, or that's a Red Sox shirt or, or whatever, uh, a dot, you know, go ahead. What was your question? I just thought it was a Ben baseball hat, oh, but whatever that too. Uh, or Yankees, same kind of thing. You know, the, the yeah. iconic look, the pinstripes, all that. there's a branding aspect of this that has kept them from changing it and it really comes down to money because it's a you know think about the but let's talk jerseys here let's think about you know the the chief wahoo jersey that that you know sam owns um because he's not here to defend himself so we're going to use him as an example um i don't even know if he does have a chief wahoo jersey but we're going to say that he does and it's one of those things where you know sam will wear that and think Oh, uh, maybe I shouldn't kind of thing. So then you got to go buy a new one. And and while that seems like that would work out well for the team, that that brand awareness isn't the same thing. And they've done a lot to try to change that and and to to move on. But like, is it really any better to have Indians written across your chest? Is it really any better? Not not much. So what it comes down to is a branding issue. And the the crap part is. Their their new hat, like pre them dropping, so like the 2020 season when they were still the Cleveland Indians, their new hat with the red with the the, the blue C on it, yeah. or the blue with the red C, that looks sharp, sharp. man. Like yeah. 
that's a great, great lettering, great embroidery. So like it can be done. Um, but yeah, I just, I realized we hadn't done a pod since that happened and we owed it to our listeners. Yes. I'm very glad you brought that up. It feels like it, it was a long time ago now. It feels like it was four years ago, but in true outfielder fashion, I know that they haven't started saying what their new names would be. Would you like to hear what their old names were? Yes, always. So they started out in Grand Rapids, so naturally they weren't called Cleveland, but they were the Grand Rapids Rustler. This was all, all yes, yes, sir. Question in the back. Question uh, from the guy from Sensibly Loud. I uh, do wonder, can we move the team back to Grand Rapids now that we are getting rid of the whole thing? Yeah, uh, the Tigers might have a thing or two to say about oh. another ball club being in Michigan, but uh, point taken. Okay, well. Yeah, so this was 1894 to 1899. At the turn of the century, 1900s, they moved to Cleveland. Hold on. <laughs> another question yes. from the back? <laughs> yes, uh, I believe Sensibly Loud Media, J-Mac. Yes, yes uh, wh- why was it only like a five-year run before they decided we got to get out of town? Well, you know, that's a, that's a story for another day. Okay. If it's not right. actually a story, I will make one up, but Got not it. today. No more questions. Um, I will not interrupt you. They moved to Cleveland. Cleveland is on a lake. So what better name for your ball club than the Cleveland Lake Shores? Mm-mm. That did not fly after one year. So they went for the, yeah, pretty close. Uh, so that didn't fly. Uh, so they went for something that did fly. And for 1901, they were the Cleveland Bluebirds. Okay. I feel like putting, like, whenever you say, like, blue birds versus, like, the Blue Jays, I feel like there's a stark difference there as far as, like, motivation and, like, uh, not motivation, I guess, but effort, I guess, is the better word for it. Yeah, well, and if you remember, we've talked a lot about bird teams before. There's been plenty of them with the Brooklyn Robins and plus the bird clubs that exist now. So, like, birds, baseball, it kind of made sense in 1900. Uh, They also changed again, though, went to the Cleveland Broncos, because I guess there were horses in Cleveland in 1902. And then their their longest tenured name before the Indians. Uh, I want to talk to you about... The Philadelphia Athletics, because they had, excuse me, the Philadelphia Phillies had a second baseman named Nap LaJoy. That's Napoleon LaJoy. Napoleon. So the word, the name Napoleon has gotten so destroyed these days, and that's a shame. Yes. Yeah. It's a but power in name. 1901, Nap LaJoy, who was the 03 batting championship, uh, he went to play in Cleveland. Okay. So he joined Cleveland on June 4th was a huge hit with the fans. So the team just renamed themselves after their player, and they called themselves the Cleveland Napoleons, ah! which was which was shortened awesome. to be the Cleveland Naps. So, like, imagine you sign a star second baseman, and you immediately name your ball club the Kinslers. Okay, that's an incredible idea. I also love the shortening of it, because I don't even think you could walk, you, you could hold your head up high saying, I play for the Naps. Yeah. It just sounds like a snooze fest. Absolutely. But so, they did. So the the newspaper conducted a writing contest uh, to for renaming the or to shorten the name from Napoleon to Naps or something. Okay. And Not th- only did he become their best player in second baseman, he also went on to manage the team <laughs> for four seasons. Was it while he was and playing? 
Yes. <laughs> he was player manager in Cleveland, the team that named their ball club after him for five years, and then he resigned as a manager but stayed on as a player for six more seasons. Holy moly. That's incredible. What what did this guy have on the ownership of this club? He had them wrapped around his finger. That's right. That is unbelievable. Now, in 1915, he was 40 years old and was no longer a top hitter in the league, batting only Shocking. 258. Shocking. Uh, <laughs> he was engaged in a feud with the manager, and he was sold Wait. back to the A's. Wait a minute. As wasn't, a result, he, wasn't he the manager? No, because he resigned being manager. Oh, this was after in, that. In okay, got it. Yep, six years earlier. Anyway, so they sold him back to um, <laughs> back, back to the Phillies, and basically they needed another name. They were going to be the Cleveland Spiders, uh, but they just changed their name to the Indians. Could you do me a favor and bookmark this to, to present this information to Jimmy Midtown when he's on the show? Because he needs to know about this. I don't even care if we talk about it a second time on the show. Like He has got to know about this. This is an unbelievable situation you found here. Yeah, I love old-timey baseball story names, like baseball name stories. They're one of my favorite things. So anyway, while we have spent a decent amount of time joking about Cleveland's Cleveland's name, I do want to give a sincere, genuine hats off to them for dropping the racist name of the years. Can I give you a fun historical fact about Cleveland? <laughs> yes. How familiar are you with the Cuyahoga River? I have never heard of that river. The Cuyahoga River is one of the most polluted and ineffective rivers in the United States. Let's pause. Hold on. I get how a river can be polluted. Mm -hmm. Walk me through how you chose the word ineffective to describe a river. It's so polluted that... Boat, so so I want to uh, I, I don't know that I can't speak for like present day, but I know this at one point, like 60s, 70s, 80s was like the most it's kind of like the East River in New York. Everybody knows the East River is disgusting. Does everybody know that? Is that a not known fact? Yeah, that's where you put the bodies. Right. If you like th there were situations in the 60s and 70s where the corrosiveness and the pollutants of the water would eat away hulls at boats to the point where they couldn't use them, rendering the re the river ineffective. Mm. Okay? the My actual fun fact is, in 1969, June 22nd to be exact, that river caught on fire, Ben Baseball. I, I had heard about a river catching on fire from pollution. Was this river Cleveland adjacent? It was the Cuyahoga River through Cleveland. And oh, okay. the most amazing part about it is that at one point, so this whole thing lasted uh, about an hour before it was finally kind of brought under control and gotten all squared away. At one point, the fire was as high as five stories tall. Holy God. That is, that is a lot of pollutant burning off into the air. That's a lot of fire. It's not good. 
it's not good when you hear about how they're th- they're trash barges that are the size of Texas, you know, floating out there in the in the oceans and whatnot. You don't have to look too far from where these you know nameless Cleveland baseball team is playing. I don't think. Yeah, for what it's worth, I also looked up. Uh, this is according to FreeDrinkingWater.com. Okay. The most ten polluted rivers in America currently. Ooh. Okay. Hold on. Uh, Hold on. Go ahead. Um, so can I guess states? I want to guess well, that's here. The, yes. Well, I guess the that thing doesn't is, really matter, right? They go through the multiple they're, states. They're kind of long. <laughs> they can be. Um, all right. Hit me with some, some good ones. Uh, so some notable ones you'll recognize. Uh, the number one, Mississippi River. That's not surprising, uh, And in the right? areas it's most polluted, Tennessee, Arkansas, Louisiana, Missouri, uh, yeah, so in that okay. stretch of it, okay, um, the Ohio River mm-hmm. uh, is pretty polluted. Uh, the Savannah River in Georgia and South Carolina, so Uh-oh. over near Sam. We need to ask Sam uh, what he's the, doing to help this problem. Yeah, absolutely. And then the Delaware River. Mm. Now, I do take a little bit of issue with the with the list because they say the second most polluted river is the Pacific Ocean, which is by definition not a river. Not a river. Uh, so some of this credibility is shot. That being said, I do believe that some of, a lot of these rivers, if they flow towards the Pacific, you know, they don't help it a lot. Right. But just because you dump into the Pacific Ocean or whatever doesn't mean that that's a river. That's That's not really how that works, right? Yeah. I didn't uh I didn't have extensive background in geography coming into this podcast, but I feel like I do now. Well, I found another one, a, a better list okay. from the earthproject.com. It does have the Cuyahoga as the fourth most polluted behind Ohio, Mississippi, Tennessee. What year is the the data we're talking about here? Uh 2018. Okay. Okay. So still number 4, huh? 4, yeah. Man, they so, said it got a lot cleaner as a result of the Clean Water Act of 72. I thought you were going to say because of the fire. <laughs> yeah, the fire just, just cleaned it all out. Burned it all on yeah. the top. <laughs> It'll be fine. The pictures of it are just fantastic, though. I'm going to share them with you here real quick, uh, just at the end of the show, since we can. Um, we've really gotten off the mark here just a little bit, but hey, you know, it is what it is. I mean, oh my God! Look at all the smoke. That is less than ideal. Not great. Not what you're looking for overall. I would say. That's what no. I would say. All right, man. Why don't you take us out of here? Yeah, I do want to remind everyone: quick anecdote and contest for all of you listeners. Yes, I forgot about the contest. Go ahead. We got time. So, I was doing Christmas shopping as one does in December. Um, and I thought I'd buy my wife a Texas Ranger shirt. It's one of those gifts. It's 80% for her and 20% for me, and I feel good about that. Okay. Um, well, I was looking online, and you know, I wasn't paying very close attention to what I was getting. I was like, oh, that's a cool logo. And you know, it was just the thumbnail of it. And I was like, cool, cool picture. Select her size, whatever. Order the shirt. Send it to me. I'm unboxing the shirt, mm-hmm. and I look at it. And over the the stomach area, it says future Ranger fan. 
Uh-oh. And I I got a full disclosure, we are not expecting a baby. <laughs> In fact, there is a doctor that has damn near guaranteed me that I won't be expecting any babies in the future. <sighs> With that in mind, mm-hmm. I now have a useless Christmas present. So my loss is y'all's game yes. because what we're doing here is the first 10 people who share this podcast on their Facebook page. If you share this on your Facebook page where we can track you, your name will be entered in a drawing. Okay. And... In three weeks, three weeks from today, we're going to draw the name out. And the first, the first 10 people who share it, you have a chance to win this exact Ben Baseball Defect t-shirt. The t-shirt's fine. So this is great for either A, people who are fans of the Outfielder podcast and having reasons to laugh at me, or people who are adult women size small <laughs> expecting a baby who are uh, Rangers fans. I so like- if you fall into either of those demographics, this is the contest for you. I feel like you've really narrowed down <laughs> narrowed the scope here, but I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it nonetheless. We'll have Jimmy Midtown draw the name, hopefully, as long as he can be yeah. here. We'll make sure he draws the name. And uh, I think that's a great idea. I like that. Yeah. So anyway, my loss, your game. Don't forget, we are all over your social media. If you share this page, you can be entered in that wonderful contest. In fact, we may even autograph the shirt for you or that special someone who's expecting, and they'll be like, who are these idiots that signed my new T-shirt? If you like what you're hearing, make sure to check us out at sensiblyloud.com. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all those things. It helps us out. Big props to our sponsors. And, of course, huge props to J-Mac for producing this and every other episode. Uh, Sambino's coming back eventually, y'all, so bear with us a little while longer while we're in dry dock without him. But, as always, thank you for listening. We'd like to thank everyone for tuning in for episode 132 of the Outfielder Podcast. We'd like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with the sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep patrolling that outfield. Big ups to Kevin Towers. Don't text and drive. And we'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast.